Welcome to the Smiling at the Future podcast. My name is Christy Rose, and this is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, relationships, and singleness from the God-fearing men and women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Hello, ladies. Thank you for tuning in again today. This time of year typically means that weddings are in full swing, and so this topic may be very relevant to those of us who are walking alongside a bride, either as her friend or in the role of a bridesmaid. Laura McVicker and Heather Weeb are joining me today to share their own experience with this. One was a bride, the other the friend of the bride, and they're just going to offer their encouragement for how we can take this role seriously and bless our sister in the Lord during such an exciting and busy time of her life. So here is our conversation. Laura and Heather, it is so fun for me to have you ladies together again on this podcast. And you both joined me back way back on episode 27 when we sat down and discussed how do you handle the tacky questions that people ask you about singleness? Um, That was a lot of fun. So if the listeners want to go back and take a listen to that one, highly recommend it. But before we dive into our current topic, uh, would you ladies both introduce yourselves today? So I'm Heather Weeb. I am in Bakersfield, California, and I'm recently married within the last year, but had the privilege of just living a lot of life, a lot of my life on my own um, as single years, and um, just very thankful for the lessons that the Lord has taught me. Right now, I am trying my hand at gardening, so uh, trying to keep tomato plants alive. And my name is Laura, and I. the last time we were on this podcast, I was living in sunny California. I have since moved across the country to sunny Florida, and I'm loving living close to the beach. I have a year-round tan, but I cannot remember the last time that I was cold. It's very, very warm here. So part of a new, um, new-to-me faithful church and getting to serve behind the scenes with um, a lot of events and weddings that take place, doing decor and, and flower arranging right now, part of a couple of different Bible studies, just trying to be as involved as I can. I am mid-30s, completely single. Would love to be married, but the Lord hasn't allowed for that to happen in my life yet. So I'm still waiting to see how he plans to work that out. And I thought it'd be fun to kind of introduce maybe my and Heather's friendship. And Christy, you had a podcast recently on setups in dating and Heather and I were actually set up as friends um, by our younger sisters probably eight years ago. Heather, does that sound yeah, accurate? Yeah. Eight years ago, they were college roommates and decided that we absolutely had to meet. And so we met and have had a completely long distance friendship since then. She's become one of my absolutely dearest friends on this earth. I've walked through a lot of life laughing and crying and praying and supporting each other, encouraging each other. And now, even as she's married, she just continues to be such an encouragement to me as I continue the path of singleness that we used to walk together. So I thought that might be a fun, just history to know as we're talking through these things. Yes. Yeah. I'm really glad that you shared that, Laura, because that does um, help in our discussion. And that's basically what we're talking about is how do you walk with somebody, you're close friends with them. How do you walk through this season of preparing for marriage, being a bridesmaid, being a close friend? Um, how do you do that well? I think the premise behind this discussion is that you and the bride or the lady preparing to be a bride are both strong believers in the Lord, that you have a deep friendship where you can speak into each other's lives and ask good and probing questions and encourage each other. Um, so that's kind of where we're coming at this discussion from that particular angle. Do you ladies want to flush that out a little bit more, give some more background to the discussion? Um, yeah. So one thing as well, just keep in mind is that you might be asked by someone who you don't know super well to be a bridesmaid in her wedding or, or even a coordinator role of helping out. And so hopefully this will be a blessing to you as well. Um, there's different relationships where if you're closer with someone, you do have that ability to speak into somebody's life. But you can always speak into people's lives when you are speaking the truth and and gospel principles 
And so hopefully this can help encourage any one of you there, even if you're not close to close enough to do some of the harder conversations, hopefully you can still just be an encouraged as a sister in Christ. So, and then one thing to note is that just because you're asked to be in a wedding doesn't automatically mean that you're obligated to say yes. And there are a variety of reasons that you might decline, like not supporting the marriage or not having the financial resources to do it, or not being comfortable wearing a dress that the bride is insisting that everyone wears. And we'll touch on some of those things later, and hopefully that will be helpful. But I do want to say that if you're tempted to not be in a wedding because you're single and you're afraid it will be too hard in your heart, then I would encourage you to check your heart and ask yourself if you're handling your singleness by trusting the Lord and rejoicing with those who rejoice. And we'll spend some time later sharing the things that we've learned and done around bridal showers and weddings and such, and hopefully that will be helpful. But just to preface it, you don't have to say yes just because you're asked. You need to be praying about it, considering it, and um, making a wise decision. Yeah, that's really good to bring those, uh, those reasons out and how you think that through. I think a lot of us, when we think about being a bridesmaid, it can be a little bit of a shallow thing in our mind of it's just wearing a pretty dress, getting our hair and makeup done, high heels, being a part of the shower, the festivities, a bachelorette party, all of those things leading up to a wedding. Um, but that's about as deep as that uh, role plays out in our mind and in our thinking. But how would you ladies want us or encourage us and the listeners to think about being a bridesmaid or a maid of honor? First of all, genuinely with your whole heart, praise the Lord with her that he has chosen to bless her with such a gift. And this means being excited for her with no grudges against her and with your heart trusting the Lord and with your will set on rejoicing with those who rejoice because of your love for her. And we're going to talk more thoroughly about that heart attitude later on and help walk ladies through what that looks like and how we can, you know, honestly and genuinely um, achieve that heart attitude through the Lord's strength. So And another thing I would say is in the midst of the absolute fun that a wedding is, you can't forget how serious the wedding is and that it's a covenant made between two people before the Lord and before everyone in that building. And choosing a spouse is the most serious decision a person can make in this life. And God says that this covenant is for life. So just don't lose sight of that in the midst of the celebration. You're witnessing a real vow before the Lord, and that should be approached with the reverence it deserves, even while you're experiencing the excitement that it also deserves. I think, yeah, I'll jump in here. I think one thing that is just important to know is that when you're selfish, you're automatically unloving. And so um, if this becomes something that just has a lot of self-focus, then it's going to be unloving to the bride, to the other bridesmaids or to anybody else in the part of who's, who's part of the wedding. And so just to kind of take it with that remembrance of what we're doing this for. And um, I love just Galatians 16 or Galatians 5, 16. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you do not do the things you want. And then later it talks about practicing the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So look at this as an opportunity to serve others as anything else in life is. Your your feelings, your emotions might be valid, but it's not your day. And it's not even really the bride and groom's day. It's Christ's day. It's the Lord's day. And so it's just a great opportunity to look at serving him through serving the bride and groom. And somebody very wise once told me, be content to be a servant and not be the one who is served. Such helpful reminders to not get caught up in um, our own thoughts and feelings, but to be outward, looking outward and focusing on others. How would you encourage the women who are disappointed? Maybe they were expecting to be asked to be a bridesmaid and they weren't selected for that specific role. What, What encouragement can you offer them? Um, I'll start out that one. Um, the first thing that I think came to my mind, and I know it comes to Lara's mind as well, is just casting your cares on the Lord. It's He He knows the situation. He puts you in this situation and he has his reasons and we don't get to know. Like one of our jobs in the Bible is not to understand all the things 
in the in life or even the reasons behind why God does stuff. There's so many examples of how God does things and man is never told exactly why. And sometimes we get to see some of that later, having the ability to read scripture after the fact, but God doesn't always tell us. He rarely tells us what his reasons are, but we can honor the Lord by just taking it to him and saying, this is, this is difficult in some way. And, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe you were expecting to be asked and it just, it wasn't given to you yet. Pray to let your heart depend on the Lord. Pray that your heart attitude would be right and that you could still be a blessing even if you're not part of an official bridal party. And this is a real opportunity to act maturely. So don't let emotions take over and control you even when you're disappointed and hurt. And know right now that how you react will have repercussions that resonate for the rest of your friendship. Um, and I was just thinking Titus too says that one of the things that older women are to teach the younger women is to be sensible. And the definition of the original Greek word means to be of sound mind, self-controlled, or temperate. And that doesn't describe a woman whose words and actions are controlled by what she's feeling, but a woman who's controlled by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. Um, so taking that verse, bring call to mind the older godly women in your life and ask yourself how one of them would respond and then follow their example as they're following Christ and choose to respond in a way that you're just not going to have regrets over later. And humbly accept it as the Lord's will for you. He may be using this even to humble you in what you truly thought was going to happen. And James 4.13 talks about a group of people who proudly proclaim what they would do in their life. And he reminds them that they don't know what tomorrow will bring and they're just a vapor. And then in verse 15, he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this and that. And maybe there wasn't an outright pride in your heart when you were assuming that you would be a bridesmaid. But I do think the Lord uses these things to remind us that we may think we know what's going to happen in life, but he is the one who ordains every detail of our life. And then it's our job to submit as clay in the potter's hands. Amen. <laughs> that is life right there. I was going to say also just to believe the best um, that there's probably a reason like people don't normally who people who are godly and getting married, they don't normally try to make enemies. <laughs> um, and so there's, there's probably a legitimate reason, you know, maybe it's, it's that this bride is working really hard to not offend people and she's trying to prefer family members, or maybe, you know, she really wants to honor this other person who's never been asked and, and what you just, you just don't know. And I think you can also look at it as just, there's other ways to serve and you can still, like Christy, you're saying still be joyful. I know of a wedding where there were 12 bridesmaids and 12 groomsmen. And by the time they all stood on stage, like the last one in the line couldn't even really see the ceremony. So it actually was a better advantage to sit in the audience than it was to be part of the bridal party. Um, Cause you had a much sweeter experience to witness it. So it just, it depends on your perspective. It's choosing to be godly and biblical and right and just kind in your response instead of selfish and grumpy. Such an exercise of humility, considering others as more important than ourselves. Okay. So what about getting really practical here? Um, bridesmaids are often asked to wear a very specific dress for this special occasion, but how do you interact with the bride if you have convictions on modesty and maybe that dress doesn't line up in that area for you? That is a great one. For this one, I think both of us would say to stick to your convictions and your conscience. If it's not something that you'd be comfortable wearing, then wrestle through that, pray through that and think about what is worth it. Is it, is it worth um, getting an opinion, getting a second opinion from someone, maybe you have higher standards than somebody else and you're choosing to not wear it would offend the bride. But maybe on the other side, it's something that you really are not comfortable with. And it's going to be something where you just, you know, offer to, to step down if you can't wear that dress in order to allow the bride to have the wedding that she was wanting, you could maybe do some alterations. And I know I've seen brides who 
allow their bridesmaids to get a different style dress or just even kind of put a little extra piece of fabric here and there. But just don't don't dismiss your conscience right off the bat um, because it's a special occasion. Um, you're just going to have to work through that in, on your own and and get advice from another godly woman if that's helpful. I think we need to recognize that believers can have different convictions around honesty. And if we have a, a conviction that's different from someone else, then we need to work hard to not judge in our heart what they choose to do. If you're asked to wear a dress that you're not comfortable with, I think you can take the opportunity to just gently share what it is that you're not personally comfortable with and just see what her response is, um, keeping it on you that this is your conviction, you know, gently explaining that. And like Heather, like you said, offering to step down or seeing if she would be willing to let you alter the dress. I also think if you're very close to the woman and you know that her choice is either against her own convictions or it's just blatantly immodest, um, you have an opportunity to just gently share your, con- your concerns that aren't just for yourself, but for the dress in general. Again, if you're close to her, if you know her well and want to bring that to her attention. And I actually, I was in a wedding a while ago, but at that point, I just asked the bride if I could make some some alterations to the design. No one else was, but I just was more comfortable doing a couple of things. And she very graciously allowed me to do that. I was a newer believer and I just really needed to fight the fear of man in that and just stick with what I knew that the Lord at that moment in time wanted from me. And it was so sweet because after the wedding, I was the only gal that had an altered dress. It was back in the day when everyone had the same dress, you know, like, you know, everyone choosing their own style. And after the wedding, like after she got back from her honeymoon, she texted me. She's like, Laura, I just want to tell you that you looked beautiful going down the aisle. And it was just such a sweet encouragement and that she was a friend who was willing to take my conscience into consideration and allow me, you know, to be up there with her, still supporting her and doing what I was comfortable with. And I've just always been really grateful for her response. And then I think kind of backtracking a little bit. If in the planning stage, if the bride is sending you and other bridesmaids dresses of or photos of dresses that she's considering, I think that probably gives you a little bit more room to give some input and just kind of things for her to consider about her choices. And maybe that's not just about modesty, but you know, if she's asking about colors or style, you have a little bit more room there. And Heather and I have talked about how to word things. And maybe instead of just blatantly saying, I think this color would look better on everybody, or I think this style is going to look this way. A gracious way to say it would be, have you considered such and such, you know, and just putting it in her mind and leaving it there and letting her decide what to do with it, you know, with no pressure to take your opinion into mind as she's making her choices. So I think it just, yeah, there's a lot of nuances to the situation and, and you have to figure out what the Lord would have you do. Yeah. And sometimes the styles, can be not as flattering on you, but then they're trying to consider all the different body types <laughs> that will be wearing that dress. And, and you know, if they just pick one specific style, you know, it's not going to maybe look great on everyone. But my philosophy has been, well, even if I don't look great in this, it's not my day. And hopefully it'll make the bride look even better if I look, you know, poorly. <laughs> That's, a, yeah, a way that you can... Uh, prefer her and the needs of others and just not and be humble in that. You don't have to look amazing. It's not your your day. You're there to serve. And like you said, serving others, um, that's our role as a bridesmaid. So my brother says that all the bridesmaids should be wearing super ugly dresses because then the bride would look really great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not too keen on that. So <laughs> yeah. well and I just think too like from going back to the modesty standpoint, you have all these women standing up in front of a whole group of people and you don't want to be a distraction to this whole congregation. A lot of them, if you're doing a wedding in a church, just something to be to be thoughtful about that all these people are going to be staring at you for an hour, at least up front. So just keep that in mind from a, if you're convicted about a certain standard of modesty, then it's good to have integrity and to stick with that and do it in a gracious and gentle way when you interact with the bride. So being a bridesmaid can be a little expensive. There's the cost of the dress, the sometimes if they want you to get your hair and makeup professionally done. Um, we already talked about like a bachelorette party, showers, it can add up really fast. So how do you interact with that and the bride if finances are tight for you? 
it all adds up so fast. <laughs> I think it's easy to say just things you write yes in the moment and you're not even thinking, you know, logistically about how much this is going to cost. Um, so now you're aware that <laughs> weddings are very expensive if you haven't been in one before. And I think it is very wise to count the costs before you say yes. And it's okay to say, I would love to be in your wedding, but please just let me think about it and pray about it. And I'm going to get back to you. Matthew 537 Jesus says that our yes is to be yes. So when you commit to something, you need to follow through on that. You know, it's the absolute best of your ability and our words should be good. And so you don't want to quickly commit to something that you can't follow through on. And a godly bride is going to understand and appreciate your example of Colossians 3.17 that says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. So it's okay to say exuberantly, yes, I want to be in your wedding. Let me look at my budget and make sure that I can actually do this. And I will get back to you as soon as I can. I think you have to remember that you are also called to be a good steward of your own money. And so, you know, sometimes weddings are on the simpler end. Sometimes they're on the more exuberant end. You could also ask ahead of time, just what is it that you're wanting me to be involved in? Do you have 18 bridesmaids and different ones are in charge of different things? Or are there two bridesmaids and I'm responsible for a huge bridal shower and a bachelorette party and, you know, picking up lunch the day of the wedding and just maybe setting some expectations ahead of time might help um, just so that you know, but also that you are going to be responsible to the Lord for how you do use your money. So, so if things are adding up and it's just a lot, especially if you're, if you're, you know, a single gal, like you're living off of one income So maybe you can save a couple bucks here and there by having a friend do your hair or, you know, paint your own nails or borrow a pair of shoes or borrow a purse. I've even seen things out there where you can rent a dress for a wedding for a bridesmaid and just those little kind of costs that can save here and there. And then that way you can put it towards things that are going to make a better difference in your relationship. And then also thinking through just having a heart of generosity as you're a bridesmaid and being open to use your money as much as you wisely can, as much as you're comfortable with to be a part of it. And I'm just thinking like there are some women who who would never get manicures in their real life. They see that as you know a waste of time and money and that's just not in their lifestyle. And yet coming into a wedding, a way of supporting the bride would be to go ahead and get a manicure with the rest of them and don't regret spending that money or don't hold back on, you know, buying a gift because you think that, you know, no one will notice if you don't get a gift, if you're able to financially afford it, just be generous in the same way that the Lord has blessed. If he has blessed you with finances, be generous in that way. And then once the money is spent, don't regret, don't despise not having that money later on. To the best of your ability, just be generous with that. And if you have a lot of single friends, maybe you could think about setting aside your own little wedding fund for <laughs> like the potential of them all getting married in the next few years and wanting to participate in that. And I think too, another added expense is if you have a friend getting married from another state, um, then you have the travel and potentially hotel and rental car and all of that that can be added into the equation. So just be mindful that that can be an added expense for a long distance if you're traveling to be a part of a wedding. And if you just really can't afford to to be there or you you're really limited, it you need to be honest. Like um Laura was saying be you know say yes and mean it or say no I can't but I'm going to at least attend the wedding or um I'm going to contribute like a nice gift and and there's there's homemade gifts that are not cheesy there are some really sweet gifts that we received from people that were not on our registry list but there was so much thought and time and effort that went into it that was such a blessing to us you know there's there's so many ways to be creative but if you can't commit financially to being a bridesmaid and all of it entails you know you can't af- afford a $300 dress that the bride really wants and the shoes and the accessories and getting your hair done and nails and all of that stuff. Like then, you know, humbly communicate that, ask the Lord's wisdom for the word that you want to use, but you know, you can give her an out and just let her be able to choose someone who can stand there with her if you just can't. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is being humble 
and realize this is not about me. It's not about my day. It's about my heart being submissive to whatever the Lord has and be honest with the relationships that are in my life. And there's, there's no, there's nothing shameful in saying I can't afford to be in a wedding. (laughs) Um, I think we we're embarrassed by it, but we really shouldn't be ashamed unless of course we've been really poorly using our money. And that was our own, you know, non, non wise budgeting in our lives. But if, if you're not using things wisely in your stewardship or you're not communicating, then that's going to be harder in the long run because then you're going to be penny penny pinching the whole time and it's going to cause this friction. And honestly, that will set you up for a lot of heartache in marriage later down the road, if, if that's where the Lord leads you. So to be honest with where you're at with finances is just better in the long run. Like Proverbs talks about that. You don't set yourself up for regrets by not being honest in the present. And if it's something worth mentioning, then, then mention it, you know, Hey, I'd love to, but I'm a little tight. Do you mind if I get my own hair done? Do you, do you mind if I do this and that? I think it's just a big balance here. And you know, choose, choose what you're going to go to bat for. Like, don't turn everything into, well, I can't afford this and I can't do this. So people need to now pity me, but just be gracious in your response. Yes or no. And then either make the sacrifice and be joyful about it or say, no, I can't afford this. And I'm still going to be joyful about it. So helpful ladies. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper now. How can we point her to Christ and encourage her in that way in the midst of the busyness. And when there's just so much focus on the logistics of a wedding. So how do you help get her eyes off of those temporary things and just keep her mind set on things above? Okay. So I'll start this one out. And here's just a couple, just hopefully super practical bullet points. (laughs) Number one, ask the bride how much you they want you to be involved. I think that will set up for a lot smoother of a process for less problems later so that you don't walk in thinking, this is what I'm going to do. And actually they want their aunt to be the one to host their wedding shower or, you know, whatever other decisions that, that they're making. There's some grooms that are really involved. My husband really wanted to be involved in pretty much every step. Um, there's a couple of things he didn't mind not knowing about, but there's other guys who are going to like, not care. And so then the bridesmaids are going to step in and be really helpful there. Uh, number two, ask how to pray for your friends. Um, just what they think that they need and search the scriptures, look for godly things in the Bible to be praying for them. Number three, ask what ways do you want to be held accountable because they might have other people who are pouring into their lives, or you might be that person, um, who's just a close enough relationship. Ask them about, purity. Ask them about how they're handling their family relationships. Ask them about how much time they're getting with their fiance that's not focused on the wedding so that they're still building that relationship and not making everything about one specific day. Ask them how their Bible reading is going. The the people who neglect the spiritual disciplines during this time have a harder time getting back into it later. So make those your non-negotiables. And then what am I on? Number five. I think I lost count, (laughs) but be willing to be told like, no, thanks. That's not helpful. And just make it really easy because the bride and the groom have so much pressure on them. And I will say being a bride and walking down that it is, you are trying to consider so many people's opinions and their personalities and not offending them. And so it is so much of a blessing when somebody's like, great, that's fine. Like, you know, if you don't want me to be involved in this, that's fine. Like, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. And that just lightens the load off of the bride. And I have some thoughts. Um, Obviously, I haven't planned my own wedding yet, but I've had the blessing of being involved in quite a few weddings over the years. Um, All the way from I, I fully planned one gal's wedding. I've come alongside multiple ladies and helped them plan their weddings. I've been involved in receptions and just everything behind the scenes, a lot of interaction in that way. And one thing that I've seen happen is a weariness that can come because of all the details 
And sometimes at some point, there's just a disappointment that wedding planning isn't all fun, like Hallmark makes it look. It's a lot of detail. It's a lot of communication and it just is a lot. And so I just came up with some things that I think you can encourage a tired bride with. The first is to not chase the things of the world and needing a Pinterest perfect wedding. And weddings are paraded in front of us women online all the time. And they are so hard to achieve because of time, energy, finances. But our womanly hearts that have waited for this moment for so long can be tempted to overemphasize the aesthetic. We just need to remember that what God says people are to notice is different from what the world wants people to notice at a wedding. And that doesn't mean don't put time and energy into it, but just your friend shouldn't get consumed with the wedding in such a way that it takes over her life or she forgets what God says people are to notice. And Ephesians 5 says that the marriage relationship is a picture of the gospel. And I was just thinking the wedding day is day one of this picture. And so as you're interacting with your friend who is a bride, maybe just reminding her, like, even if your wedding is more simple than you dreamed, if the gospel is upheld, then your wedding has been a success. And to not overemphasize having, you know, everything that you see the world having, not getting distracted with that. And then I was thinking you can remind her of Colossians 3.23, that she is to do the work heartily as unto the Lord. And that means that when she is so ready to be done with details, like seating charts and the ever-changing guest lists and the registry that still has to be filled out in those moments to remind herself that she's not doing it for herself. She's not doing it for the groom. She's not doing it for her parents. She's not doing it for the guests, but she's doing it to glorify the Lord as she works hard. And this is a responsibility that he's given her. Like no one else has the responsibility of the wedding that like the bride does, even if she has, you know, everyone in the world helping her, it's still so much ends. Um, the box bucks up with her. And so much ends up on her plate and that's just to be done to the glory of the Lord and by his strength. And then just, um, I think you can also remind her to be humble and ask for help. And I don't have to describe what that looks like, but just that, that encouragement, you know, to, to delegate as she's able to, and let people just help bear the burden. It's a big project and many hands make light work and she can, you know, ask the people that love her if they would be willing to serve her in that way. Yeah. Love all those ideas. And it's so true. I've heard so many brides like on the wedding day or shortly after, like just elope, like don't go through it. <laughs> you don't realize, I think, especially if you're you're on a budget and you're trying to DIY everything, just how much work it can end up being. And so it can be exhausting when you're when a lot of women are like still working their full-time job and you know, they can't just devote. 24 hours a day to planning this event. But yeah, I love the idea of asking for help, being humble in that way. And I just think simple is so much better. If if any of the ladies listening are planning a wedding, like, yeah, elaborate is like you said, it looks pretty, but is it worth the stress going into that? Like, wouldn't you rather just enjoy the people and the day and what it means rather than be just caught up in the whirlwind of all the details? So simple, maybe a better way to go in the whole wedding process. At some level, everybody's expectations are going to be unmet. The brides, the grooms, the bridesmaids, like things are just going to go different. And I've been told, um, you know, something's always, something always goes wrong at a wedding. I don't like to think of it in that way. I just like to think of it as something goes different than planned. So it could go wrong in somebody's opinion, but in another person's opinion, it just didn't go the way that we planned it. And when you're prepared ahead of time, knowing these are not going to go exactly as we plan, it just lightens everything up. So I think maybe helping to remind a bride, I know I had some people remind me just to not get so caught up in what my expectation is of the day. Even if a bride's expectation is that it's going to be the simplest, easiest, quick thing, well, things might get a little more complicated than what you want. So, you know, that's part of life is just knowing your response is what the Lord is trying to get out. He's trying to get at your heart through your response. Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain glory, but with humility of your mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves not merely looking out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then verse five, 
have this way of thinking in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So it's going back to your mind and training your mind first, because then your feelings and your emotions can follow that. And I know Lara's sister told uh, her and she told me at one point, feelings can ride the bus, but they can't drive. (laughs) I love that. But just, yeah, just to know your expectations are not going to come true and to gently walk through with your friend. Hey, this is going to go different than planned. Where can we build in some flexibility and just training her mind, reminding her with scripture um, that the Lord's ways are good and they're right. Boy, and what a helpful character quality to grow in, in every area of life, being flexible (laughs) and, and not having set expectations and just being willing to adjust to what the Lord has planned for you. So something we can definitely all be practicing even now. And then when that other event, if it ever, that blessed event, if it ever happens for, for some of us, just we'll be prepared to adjust in that way. So how would encouraging your friend who's getting married, would that look different if they live in another state? I know with Laura, you and Heather, you were across the country from each other when all of this was happening and Heather was preparing for her wedding. So how, how did encouraging the bride look different? I think for us, it was just a continuation of the relationship that was already there. And I think for any person that's in a long distance friendship, it's just going to be the same. It's the same level of support and prayer and encouragement. And, you know, I think Heather and I had some ideas that you could do specifically for a bride of sending, you know, cards or gifts just so that she knows you're thinking of her and praying for her. But for us, it was I was hearing all the details that Heather was going through and um, the pressures that she was feeling in different ways or, um, you know, things that she was thinking through and working through. And, and just as we always had, you know, this is just the next step in her life. It's the next step in our friendship and just that same encouragement and support in the Lord to be there as a friend for her. I think, you know, if you are a long distance friend, but you haven't been in constant contact, then maybe you could take advantage of that just to further build how you guys go about encouraging each other in the Lord and and take the opportunity to check in, you know, once a month or once every couple of weeks or whatever you think is good for your relationship and just keep building um, and taking opportunity of that to build each other up in the Lord. I agree. And I think the most helpful things for me getting married that, that Lara was able to give as a gift to me was her spiritual encouragement and just asking how I'm doing with the heart struggles that are my weakest tendencies and asking how the day had gone when she knew something was, was going to happen that day, just in general in life or or to say, Hey, how was, how was your touring of venues today? Like, were you able to, to find something and what did you like about these places? And just her enthusiasm, but also just her encouragement to me of taking it back to scripture and just to, to remember that you're, you're often doing, like, I think we just mentioned that you're often planning a wedding, you're planning ahead for marriage. You're trying to maybe buy a house, you're trying to move wherever you have been living. You have a career, there's church ministry, there's so much going on. And yet the Lord is the one who is orchestrating all of these things. And to have a friend who is willing to say, Hey, this is what God's telling me, teaching me through scripture. And this is where I'm growing. And I wanted to encourage you with this verse or with this funny meme, (laughs) like, which I was great at. And just keeping that humor, sometimes things just get so bogged down. But I think, yeah, just being, having that distance meant that we get a little more creative with things. But like Lara said, it's a continuation of where your friendship has has been and to just continue building people up in the ways that they are called to honor the Lord. And for me, remember that this season in my life was not all about me, but it's also about me encouraging her and thinking through, am I just dumping all this stuff on her where it's making it difficult for her? Or am I trying to then serve her and the Bible says outdo each other on, on love and good deeds. And it's so sweet to be where it's just like this friendly, healthy, spiritual competition of who can serve the other and who can continue to look from the other perspective. 
I love that so much. And I can attest to Laura being a huge spiritual encouragement just to me and her just interest. And she'll remember everything I shared and ask about it and follow up on it. And I kind of lovingly joke with her that we have a very one-sided friendship. I'm like (laughs) always encouraging and building me up. And you guys are both so sweet to say those kind things. And both your friendships have meant the world to me. And I have equally been so incredibly blessed and built up by both of you. And as I'm listening to you guys speak and just thinking about our friendships, I'm thinking, um, Christy, I'm good friends with you. Heather, I'm good friends with you. You two aren't as close, just haven't spent as much time together. But as I think about my friendships individually, we've, by God's grace, built a friendship where we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And that can be happening simultaneously where someone has something that they're struggling with and someone has something that they're rejoicing with. And there's not a barrier of, oh, I can't share this blessing because so-and-so, you know, is going through a hard thing. There's just this equal back and forth of we're doing life together and, you know, we're, we're humble in that and wanting to serve each other in wherever you are in life in the moment and come alongside you with, you know, praising the Lord with you while you're also encouraging me and the Lord, because I really need help to, you know, keep um, trusting him in this area of life. And that's just been, I think, such a treasure and not very common in friendships, but I think something that I would just encourage women, like if you like to the best of your ability, try to build those friendships and just in your own heart, you know, be desiring to humble yourself and be put in those places where maybe it's not comfortable hearing someone else's blessing while you're crying, but that that's, you know, what genuine friendship is um, with the Lord's body. So that's just been, yeah, so precious to me. I'm so thankful. And you create that, like, I think each of us individually have to create that receptivity of, I want to hear your blessings and your joys, even if I'm going through a hard time. And because that, like, I can share in your joy and that actually helps me. And so I think if you have that attitude where you welcome and you know that people know that you will genuinely rejoice with them, that's going to be huge. And it, it should be a joyful time if you're pursuing the Lord there are going to be so many people who want to come alongside you and rejoice with you and encourage you towards joy. I think the older that you get, if the Lord gives marriage, there is just a sweeter joy about it. There's a a great kind of rejoicing when there's a young, you know, 18, 19 year old getting married. And that is a beautiful gift that the Lord gives to her. There's a different kind of joy when you've been praying for something for years. And so those of you who may be listening, who are, you know, feeling like you're on the older end and going, I don't know if the Lord's ever going to give me marriage. And I'm trying to rejoice as a bridesmaid with all my friends. And the Lord just is so gracious to give what we individually need and to bring such joy into it that for, for people to come alongside of me and, and just say, I, you know, for, for Lara specifically still being single, but being able to rejoice with me, we've wept, we've cried, we've laughed. There's so many sweet moments because we know this was God's will. And it was so precious because he had answered literally thousands and thousands of prayers over the many years. Um, and so it's just really neat to see that, that impact when you have trained your heart to give back to him. And, you know, if you're still on the bridesmaid end of things or the, the single girl end of things, we don't know what the future is. I, that's kind of a lot of what we talked about in our last podcast episode, but just viewing things in an eternal and a godly perspective is just going to give you so much different of, of joy. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree, Heather. I think when those, especially those around you have been praying for you too. And then they can just rejoice with you fully. I think I heard that you had a standing ovation at your wedding. Is that right? Yes. Yes, we did. (laughs) We're very thankful. We finally moved in. (laughs) So yeah, just all the, the whole congregation who had been rooting for you, praying for you both for all those years. And then to see the Lord bring that to fruition. Yeah. Just probably was such a sweet moment. Um, for everyone to participate in. I Laura and I talk about that too. Like, boy, if anyone in our friend circles gets married, it's going to be like such a day of rejoicing. We're all praying for each other, rooting for each other, hopeful. And yeah, I think you kind of alluded to that, Heather, but just being hopeful 
for what God has planned. I think it's easy when you're single to just like project that you will be single the rest of your life. And um, and if that's God's plan, he's going to carry you one day at a time through that. And he's going to give you his joy to walk through that. But um, we don't know what his plans are. And so we can be expectant that maybe he has something different for us in the future. And so, yeah, I think that's just a good perspective to have. And one more thing is just taking it back to the, you know, bridesmaid aspect of things there, you know, there's times when my sister, um, when she was helping me on this end of the country planning wedding, and she would just call me up and be like, we're going shopping right now. Like I'm coming to your house (laughs) or, you know, we're going to go grab ice cream right now. And it was so great because that did just take some of the pressure off. I know that the original question we started with was just somebody living on the other side of the country, but just sharing, you know, those little life moments together can also just break up some of the heaviness. And just when you put yourself out there as a bridesmaid or a, or a friend who's helping plan and just to go, you know what? I am tempted to wallow in my own self-pity right now. So to combat that, I'm going to go take the bride, her favorite coffee and write a silly name on it from Starbucks instead of her real name. Like, you know, something like that, that you just like bring something fun into it or unexpected. Um, that's just, can be such a blessing as well for the, for both sides. That segues nicely to the next question I have of like, what are the helpful things to do as a bridesmaid? Laura, did you have thoughts on that? Yes. So I would say come in with a heart attitude of wanting to serve as many people as you can during the wedding weekend. And it's so easy for a bridal party to get caught up in their roles and naturally just fall into the focus being on them and become single focused. Um, But if you come in with an attitude to be the least of all, as the Bible says, I'm sure the Lord's going to give you many opportunities. And I had, I'm trying to think if this was the first wedding I was in. Maybe it was the first wedding. I don't remember. But as a young, again, young believer, young woman, I had the opportunity to see that firsthand. There was part of a bridal party and we had all, you know, gotten ready and just the excitement of the bridal room. And I came across a woman who had flown out and actually she was an older single woman. She was, I don't know, fifties or sixties. And she had flown out to come help the mother of the bride um, put the wedding together. And she had been serving behind the scenes just all weekend, um, serving us, you know, getting the reception ready, just everything. And I come in and she's so exhausted that she's crying in the bathroom. And I just offered like, would you like me to do your hair? And that was such a relief to her to have someone come in and serve her and take something off of her plate when she was just beyond, you know, being able to think straight. And I think in that moment, it just made me so aware that as a bridal party or as the bridesmaid, it was easy for me to get caught up in what I'm doing and the fun and the excitement and, and kind of, you know, elevate myself. And yet, you know, so many people come together to be serving. And even though I'm in the bridal party, my attitude needs to be just come to serve um, and look for every opportunity that you can there. Yeah, I would say one of the most important things would just be just to continue making your Bible reading time or your studying time and your prayer time a priority. Don't, Don't neglect that discipline. Another thing is just when you're tempted to like Laura said, make it about yourself just to kind of check your heart. If if it's, if you just, you know, have to take 15 selfies in a row to get the right perspective, you can post something as soon as they walk down the aisle, then, you know, that might not be a good revelation of where your heart is at. If it's, if it's just self-focused. And I know we live in just such a technological world. One thing that we asked our guests to do was just to not take their own pictures during the ceremony because we wanted to make sure that for one, that the professional photographers could get the right shots and not have a a camera sticking out in the aisle. (laughs) But um, we also wanted people to enjoy being there. And so anyways, just on the bridal party end of things, just to, to not make it about when I get married, I'm going to do this and that. And just you know, posting things before the bride and groom get to share it with their, their friends and family. Um, that's their first opportunity to share with people who weren't able to attend. And then I'd also just say to not air your frustrations, just to, to keep things quiet. If if there is something that bothers you, Proverbs says that the wise man or the wise woman who guards her tongue 
um, and is willing to overlook offenses for the sake of unity and others, or that, that is the wise person who can guard your tongue and overlook offenses for the sake of others. And, um, just to know, again, there's going to be some miscommunications. There's going to be some misunderstandings and do the best you can be willing to, to ask for forgiveness, but let your speech be seasoned with grace and just to portray others really highly, even if you don't agree with how something was done. And kind of along that vein, just of relationships and and sticky things, I think we have an opportunity as friends of the bride um, when there are interesting family dynamics and that can show up at weddings pretty often. And the Lord can really use you to build bridges for the day and bring peace to a situation. I think if you know family dynamics that are stiff or awkward or damaged, instead of just tiptoeing around the situation, I think you can use your role as a neutral third party to be outgoing and loving and accepting of those people, even if you know of very hurtful things that they have said and done, and you can just help bring just peace, you know, to a bride's a bride's room. If there's, you know, relatives that you know that there are issues and you can be that one that extends love to them and just help build that relationship in that moment. And then also, I think we really need to remember that there are a lot of non-believers around at a wedding and not just the non-believing guests, but also there's going to be a lot of vendors that you're interacting with. And, you know, whether that's uh, the wedding planner or the florist or the makeup artist, you you potentially could find yourself interacting pretty consistently with non-believers. And you as a bridesmaid, you're part of the public testimony of the gospel that's going to be proclaimed. And so just, you know, keep that in mind in your interactions with them forefront, looking for opportunities, you know, to, to share the gospel if possible. But if, if that's not possible that just that your actions do uphold what they're likely going to hear later on in the ceremony. And we had a situation at one of my sister's weddings where during the reception, the DJ who we had hired to come just do sound for us, he came up to my mom. He's like, I can't stop smiling. There's just so much happiness in this room. And I don't, this isn't normal for me, but I can't stop smiling. (laughs) And she just had like this little sliver of time to just quickly, you know, give glory to the Lord and and bringing this couple together and that that's, you know, where their joy was found. But I think we can lose track of that fact. You know, we can think about the family members that are in the congregation that are going to hear the gospel, but there's also, you know, all these people working, potentially working behind the scenes who maybe are hearing the gospel for the first time in your wedding and, and just, in, or in your, your friend's wedding. And just to keep that in the forefront of your mind and all your interactions with them. Yeah. And so many weddings, like with, with vendors or other unsaved people, their their experience with a typical wedding, an unbelieving wedding is so different. Usually they're they're experiencing a lot of the stress and drama and just the chaos of what that event can entail for people who are selfish or self-centered. So what an opportunity to stand apart and and that's you know where the work believers can truly be a light even in their that starting out of their marriage together, it's different. Like how God has called us to live is different and it's better. One other super practical thing is just to keep in mind the interests of the bride. And this one would be one to kind of touch base ahead of time and see if it's your role or if it's the coordinator's role or the bride's mom's role. But just to know that on the day of the wedding, there's a lot going on. It's overwhelming. And one helpful thing that a bridesmaid could do is just to kind of monitor who's coming and going wherever the bride is. There's a lot of times where a family member who hasn't seen them for a while wants to just pop in really quick and, you know, say hi. And then it that's 15 minutes is gone. And either you're behind on something or it's just a lot emotionally. There's there's just a lot that you're mentally, emotionally trying to sift through. There's a lot of stuff going through your mind. And so one practical thing might just to be to figure out ahead of time who's going to kind of monitor the bride's phone and make sure that she's got what she needs so that she's not getting bombarded by five people with questions. Maybe you can help take some of those burdens off and answer some decisions. I know for our, my wedding, I was advised by my pastor and Lara confirmed it. So it must be good (laughs) to set a cutoff date for the planning a week ahead of time and just make that kind of the ending date of all the planning 
where my hand was involved. And at that point, pass everything off to somebody else. And that way they could, you know, there was a change in the guest count number, or we had to move a table here instead of there and move some reserved seatings from this table to that table. And just the little details that I didn't need to know about, like, you know what, I trust these people who are helping me. And it was really helpful for me just to, to have someone else that could take those things. And then I had told my friend, another friend who was helping with some details on the day of, I had asked, can you just make sure nobody except these 10 people are allowed in, in the bridal dressing room ahead of time? Like I know my aunts and uncles and family and friends are coming, but I can't mentally handle it right now um, until after the, the ceremony. So that was just a really helpful practical thing is just having that buffer. Really, really great tips, Heather. I'm filing all these away <laughs> for future reference. So we've talked about this already, but I think we need to end on this note. How can we practice rejoicing with those who rejoice when we ourselves are longing for marriage? This is my favorite question. I'm so excited to answer this one because it's been many, many years in the making for my own heart. So I think you need to really start by taking to heart the command in Romans 12, 15. Like we've talked about, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And just like in any family, the family of God has both joys and sorrows that happen simultaneously. And if you are in a season of weeping over your singleness and you're going to a wedding, you're a bridesmaid, you are called by the God of the universe to love your sister and your brother in Christ by rejoicing as they rejoice. And this rejoicing or lack of rejoicing on your part doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not just, oh, I get to choose what I do and you know it really only affects me. It's just my heart, but it's going to have an impact on the body of Christ. And your actions will either bless those around you as they get to watch someone who's trusting the Lord and who's genuinely celebrating the sweet gift of marriage, or you're going to force them to watch someone who isn't trusting the Lord and who's only able to focus on her own life and her own hurts in the moment. And I very recently, like a few weeks ago, had... I guess just more of a realization of how much your response is truly public. Um, when I attended a wedding and I ended up sitting next to a gal from our church who I had never met before, and we were just exchanging life stories. And she shared with me a time that she had waited a couple of years for a trial to end in her life. And then as it was my turn, I'm sharing my story. And part of it, I just mentioned my age and that I'm you know mid thirties and that singleness was a season of waiting that the Lord had chosen for me, um, different from her, but that's what he had given me. And her response was to tell me just how absolutely encouraging it was to see me coming to a wedding. And here's a complete stranger who she knows nothing about the twists and turns of my life. Um, but just simply, she was encouraged by me sharing, I'm in a season of waiting. And then she saw me coming to this wedding and showing up and rejoicing um, with this young couple who was getting married. And so that was really, that was encouraging to my heart, that it was encouraging to her that she voiced that and just a reminder that, yeah, just my presence right here, this as other people are walking through different trials, like everybody in this room is walking through a trial. And as I'm trusting the Lord with my trial and showing up and being a part of the body, that's just in some way going to encourage them to keep trusting the Lord in their trial. I think there are some nuances about going to weddings as singles. You know, if you've recently been through a breakup, maybe it's more helpful to stay home. Also, I've talked to friends like, you don't have to be the last person to leave a wedding. You know, if you need to leave, after the ceremony, or you need to leave, you know, a little bit into the reception, if it's better to be there three hours and not five hours for your heart, I think it's okay to make those types of decisions. Just make sure you're operating out of trusting the Lord in that and, and, and realizing sometimes there are things you need to do that are going to be helpful for your heart in the long run. And it's okay to make those choices, but yeah, showing up, trusting the Lord, rejoicing with those who rejoice, it just has an incredible impact on the body. And it's a command of the Lord and he knows that impact. And that's why he commanded for us to do these things. And I think it's, it's something where you can live in a way that the gospel is shown and even alluded to like by your response, by your actions, you know, such that someone can look like, I love that story, Lara, because you know, someone can look at you and go, wow, like, I'm sure that this gal would love to be married, but the way she's handling her circumstances shows 
that trusting the Lord is more important to her than getting what the world says you have to have or to have circumstances go your way. You know, if someone's looking at the content bridesmaid and saying, wow, she's so content, you know, she's thankful where she's at. She's not moaning the fact that's actually more attractive to someone. And it's a better picture of the gospel. Christ must really be worth it because worth it, but also singleness is worth it. If that's what Christ has given us, it's all, it's all up to him. And Matthew Henry says, let him do what he will for he will do best. Um, I just love that because the Lord knows what is best for each of us. And yet he can also use that for so many more purposes going on behind the scenes that you don't even see. And I think it's been said before on this podcast, and I'm trying to think if it was Lynn Browner who said this, but um, you have to know that the fact that another woman is getting married has absolutely no ties or links to the fact that you're single. And so you can't equate the two in your mind in some way. You can't treat her in a standoffish way or hold a grudge against her or covet whatever she has and just know like your singleness is between you and the Lord, not you and another person. And you might have to fight, you know, an attitude of envy or discontentment like that can come up and that will have the result of being, you know, potentially standoffish towards a person or just not able to fully rejoice with someone who's rejoicing. And you need to battle that sin and not make someone else's blessing be personal to you in your heart. You can't equate the two in your mind and your heart. Yeah, really, really good, Laura. And it makes me think, Heather, of what you said earlier about not neglecting the spiritual disciplines. If you are feeding your heart with truth and combating the lies that you're tempted to believe with the Word of God, then you are going to be stronger in those moments to overcome and have victory and not respond in the wrong way. And we want to honor the Lord at the heart level. We want to be pleasing to Him. And sometimes it's offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Um, When we rejoice with those, it might be a sacrifice for us, but we can still do it with His power. It's not in our own strength. He enables us to be filled with the Spirit, to show the fruits of the Spirit, and to genuinely rejoice with those who rejoice and how much we would want our sisters in Christ to do that for us when that day comes for us to be able to just showcase what God has done, bring everyone around to enjoy that gift with us and to rejoice with us. So we can practice that as we even long for it ourselves and how we would want to be treated if the tables were turned. And you don't, you don't get to pick which parts of being a believer that you get to throw out during this season. Like you don't get to pick what you have to follow. You you follow all of it. Like you can't just decide, I'm not going to work on this area of my heart right now. It might be hard, but this is what God is using to grow you in some way if you're being pliable and, and moldable. Um, I think about when my sister got married and I have, I have four... No, I don't. I have three. <laughs> um, I have three sisters. There are four of us. I have three younger sisters. And when the first one got married, which was 10 years ago, so nine years before I did, and I was the older sister, um, when she got engaged, I remember thinking, Lord, this is either going to tear us apart or it's going to bring us together because I can either let this be bitter and like there was this rustling in my heart that night of, of going, if I allow a root of bitterness to start getting planted, that she's getting engaged and she's getting married before I am, then it is absolutely going to wreck our relationship, which had been really good. And I fought it out and the Lord brought me to such peace that night. And I never wavered with it. Like praise the Lord with that circumstance. It was not hard because I like the Lord helped me to let go of that and say, the relationship is not worth sacrificing for my own personal little, you know, desires. It is so much more worth it to, to just rejoice and to be thankful and to swallow the hurt and just keep that quiet to myself. It didn't erase it, but it was a choice that was difficult in the moment. And yet the Lord really blessed and honored that. And we have such a strong relationship now. So, so good, Heather. And so good that God brought that up for you to learn and to grow in. And I think so much of these opportunities 
God brings things to light that he wants us to grow in and to trust him with. And so um, we we don't want to waste these seasons when when the emotions are high and when things are difficult. We want to view them as stretching, growing opportunities and opportunities that God is bringing certain things to bear in our heart that he wants us to, to grow in his strength. Well, such a delight, ladies. I feel like so much of what was shared and what we talked about was the truth applied in your own lives where the rubber meets the road. You've walked through this, you've learned these lessons and now able to just share that with me, with the listeners so that we can follow in your footsteps and be prepared and have the responses and the heart attitudes in our mind of how we want to approach walking through these seasons and how we can encourage the bride and make the most of these opportunities and not let sin get in the way. So I'm excited to hear how the Lord uses this on the cusp of quote unquote wedding season right now, as a lot of weddings are starting to ramp up and start to be planned. And so thank you both so much. And it was an absolute delight to have you both on again. Yeah. Thank you. If I could just say one more closing comment, just the Lord shows his sweet side in trials. And if being a bridesmaid is a trial and you decide to go through with it, he also blesses obedience. And it's just really neat to think that God never wastes anything. You keep renewing your heart in truth and you keep washing it in prayer um, and praying for the things that he's laying on your heart, continue praising him for where you're at right now then he will bless that. It doesn't mean he's going to give you what you think is best for your life, but he's going to grow you in godliness and grow you in holiness. And he doesn't waste any of the hurt. And I love the verse in the Bible. Um, I should have looked up the reference, but I don't know it off the top of my head. It's either Isaiah or Jeremiah. And, and it says, though he slay me, I will still praise him. Even if you're in a season that's difficult and and you're wanting to serve and and you're wanting to, you know, be a blessing and yet it's still hard on the other side of things. Just know that we continue to praise him and he will reward that in some way, whether it's this life, whether it's in heaven. And it's just really sweet to think that, you know, he has our best in mind and you'll look back later and you will thank him. Like you will always thank him for his will in your life. Beautiful. Thank you, Heather. Beautiful note to end on. 